Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, wherever you are tuning into this podcast from. This is John Sane here from a rainy, cold, freezing Cape Town, uh, recording our week's podcast. Always excited to be doing this. Always have a great time with my co-host, Eric, on the other side of this call. Eric, how are you doing there, brother? Hey, brother. Good, good. Uh, the cold front hasn't reached us yet, so it's been, uh, it's been a mildly cool day, but uh, otherwise okay. all good. Yeah, no. I'm, okay. I'm really looking forward to just constantly hot weather. Uh, I, I haven't been training, so like I haven't done the whole, uh, you know, your summer body is made in the winter kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm still looking forward it. to it. That's your bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been training in the winter? Have you been good at it? Well, look, I mean, I, 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 every time I see a gap, I, I take it and I go for a cycle or okay. for a run. And twice so far, I've been caught proper in the run, in the rain. Um, <laughs> Because that's what Cape Town is, you know. It's, uh, around every corner, um, there's a cloud stuck in some mountain <laughs> range, which is now pouring rain. So, I mean, it's all part of the adventure. Um, but I think, you know, winter is good to hibernate in. I mean, I think if you look at what nature does in winter, I'm not, mm. I'm not even joking, but I think if you think about what's happening in nature, it's just, it's chilling. It's just having a mm. little bit more patience, kindness, and calmness with yourself. Mm. And some people call it lazy. I call it intelligent preparation for summer. <laughs> no, I just made that up. I'm just calling it lazy. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all, all for the hibernation uh, of, of what's going on. Although yeah. seeing everybody in Greece and Italy and Croatia and Mykonos, sure. it's like a little bit upsetting. I can't yeah. lie, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Okay, so look, um, I know you've been writing some incredible articles. Uh, you're doing uh, quite a lot of work as far as research is concerned. Do you want to share with us one or two article topics? Because I really love them when you were telling me offline. And then yeah. we can get on stuck in with today's uh, topic. Yeah, so there are, there are three one coming out. The one has actually been published already, um, but I haven't started sharing it yet. It's called The Resilience Trap. And mm. like just a, a very short sort of intro to that is like, um, Danica was reading something to me around like someone saying South Africa is such a resilient nation. Mm. And I just thought again, like, you know, like resilience isn't the point. Like, so what if you're resilient? If you are always just a punching bag, like a punching mm. bag is resilient, right? Mm. But do you always mm. want to be the punching bag? So it, it kind of goes into this idea that we can get caught in the trap of resilience. Um, so we're always the fighter. Like we will keep going because we're resilient. Oh my God. You're, you're so right. Eh? And then, that is a terrible idea. Terrible idea. And then the mm. second one is uh, that's coming out. It's called the high performance vacuum. And this is something that I just saw in, in so many of the high performers that I was working with in a, in a one-to-one coaching uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is that as a high performer, you get stuck in a rut. And that rut produces a high performance output. Why? Because you're a high performer. So you have high performance habits. So I look mm. at you from the outside. I go, wow, like you are so phenomenal. Mm. But actually, when you take a bit of a closer look, you realize that even though you have a high performance output, meaning, excitement and challenge has all been sucked out of your life. Mm. And so it creates wow. this vacuum. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm exploring those ideas. Do you, do you think you are in a vacuum? Definitely um, sounds like I feel like sometimes I'm in a vacuum, but what I do you do then? It's part of survival mode, right? Like you, you get into that state where um, you are reactive every day, that you're operating from frustration, anxiety, fear. Mm. So that's mm. exactly the – that's kind of the high, the high performance vacuum is part of how you end up getting into survival mode. And I think the first step is always is like just recognizing it, that you wake up in the morning's <laughs> bored and without challenge and 
Yeah. But hang on, hang on. Do you do you think that um, high performance in a vacuum is driven by anxiousness and high performance driven by excitement is a totally different thing? Do you think it's the underlying um, reasoning why you're a high performer? You're doing it for the wrong reasons? How would that look? Yeah, it could be that. It could be that. I, I do think there's a difference. I mean, you always speak about running away from yeah. the dark versus running yeah. towards the light. So I do think there's a difference there. But mm. I think the, the biggest thing that I'm trying to highlight for people here is that if you simply judge someone by their output, uh, it doesn't mm. mean that they actually wake up in the morning feeling good about themselves. Yeah, true. And that's true. the thing that we need to pay attention to. Like, what's the point of just having high performance output um, if nothing else in your life feels like it fulfills you? Well, look, I think I, I talk about that a lot and it's called, I call it the difference between accomplishment and purpose. Mm. It's like we're driving this accomplishment. And you know, what, what I always find a bit funny is when somebody says that person's successful and when they are describing success, it means they have money and nothing else. Mm. It's mm. almost like we have this king. You know, they say king is cash. Cash is king. Cash, cash is, is king. king. Yeah. yeah, but we've got this king. Look, yeah. think about the language we're even using. It's mm. like, if you got cash, you're successful. The fact that you're a drug addict and you're having an affair and you're sick, you're about to die, it doesn't mean anything. It's no, fine. As long as you've yeah. got the Ferrari, you're winning. Mm. And it's this, it's, it's a broken, well, look, this is exactly what my new book is about. It's reimagining the possibility of a new socioeconomic system that doesn't mm. prioritize this hoarding of money. And, you know, we can speak about it and we still suffer from it. You know, Eric, I mean, you and I are always like, okay, how much did you make here? How much you make there? But... The truth is, is that when you're driving that, only that, and I think that's what you and I have, uh, you know, we've, we've developed our passion and we've, and we've really understood why we're here. And so money is a nice byproduct, but we still give it focus. But I think people that are just driving the thing around money, I mean, it's just a horrible, mm. horrible place because when you make $1 million, guess what you want? A $2 million. And then when you have, you have $3 million, I mean, it's like it's a nonstop process. Yeah. And so, yeah, we must, we must become more aware and conscious about what success looks like. Mm. I like that. No, I think good, it, also, it comes back to, to so much of what you've spoken about with also our relationship with money and actually working mm. on that and actually seeing that as, as an important thing that needs some deep work. Because ah. as much as we say that um, we exalt money, there are also mm. so many people who demonize it. And like, and, and guess where that gets you? Yeah, of course. And I think, I think it's just that, that religious notion or cultural notion that says, you know, don't talk about it. It's just a byproduct of everything you do. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. But give it some attention and some mm. focus, a container and intention, a cadence. I'm actually, yeah. I've started a new uh, two day masterclass called Your Money in Motion. And so we'll start that in end of October. So nice. I'll be doing people two hours, one hour a day. Just talking about the intention, the energy that is, or that's necessary around money, you know, mm. and, and we I know you and I meditate great. heavily on this. Mm. Yeah, your money and motion. Really so, um, mm, thank you. You know, there's for sure, like, since we've become friends, that uh, speaking about money has become much easier for you. Well, that too. Yeah, you're richer. But, uh, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. But, yeah. but it's, it's become a much easier topic for me to speak about. And, mm. but also not mm. in general, like with you, like I'm, I'm very comfortable for us to have those conversations. Mm. Um, mm. not necessarily like across the board though. Mm. Look, I think still culturally and in society, it's a weird thing to talk about. And it's funny, mm. you know, it's like sex. It's like everybody's having sex, but nobody talks about it. It's like, mm. don't talk about it. It's not supposed to be spoken. Why isn't it supposed mm. to be spoken about? Like what's, it's like farting, right? 
Everybody mm. farts, but don't get caught farting. I mean, we're joking. Everybody farts. Why? Why is it such an issue? Yes, it's like burping, right? Everybody burps, but like imagine sneezing was rude. Imagine. Mm. Like you couldn't sneeze in front of somebody. I mean, that's just society's made sneezing okay, but burping not. But then yeah. when you're in Saudi, apparently in Saudi Arabia, when you burp, it's a sign that you've really enjoyed your meal. Yeah. So I think it's a cultural mm. nuance having this conservative idea around money and sexuality and power. And I think when you bring it to the surface and start talking about it, you can start having an engaging relationship with it mm. rather than it just being this dark secret thing that you have on the side there. Like you're having a mistress when you're mm. money, you know? So mm. I don't think it should be like that at all, you know? So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're richer. Yeah. And, thank you. Um, I'm glad you're richer as well. Yeah. My, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope all our listeners are richer. And if they want to become richer, they must do money in motion masterclass coming up. So, uh, okay. So what's the third very, very topic cool. around your, 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 your angle there? Um, the article. Uh, the third one that I'm writing uh-huh. is capacity yes. for chaos. And yes, nice topic. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, uh, the, the central hypothesis for this one is that ultimately, I think the people who achieve the most are the ones who are most comfortable with chaos. And, mm. you know, we wake up in the morning and there are fires burning around us. And some of us become mm. really anxious about putting out as many of these fires as possible. Mm. And we, we, what we mm. actually want is no fires, you know. But the reality mm. is there are always going to be fires. And so actually, the more you Absolutely. can just be, be okay with sitting in the heat, the better. And we need to develop that capacity then for chaos. Because I think like mm. Elon Musk, can you imagine like the Jeez. intense <laughs> anxiety Jeez. that he must feel for everything that's happening yeah. in his life? But because yeah. he can hold yeah. that capacity for chaos, he's able to send people yeah. to Mars. And yeah. so stop trying to put out the fires, just develop your capacity to sit in the fire. That's, that's really what it, what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I like that. I mean, it, it, I, sorry, carry on. No, no. I'm just saying I'm writing all of these mainly for myself. Uh, and I hope other yeah, people benefit yeah. from it too. Mm. Yeah, sure. You know, I think it's always the development of your understanding of something. I mean, it's a great saying. It says if you want to learn something, read about it. You want to understand something, write about it. Mm. And if you want to master something, teach it. Mm. And it's this combination of practicing, teaching. I mean, it's it's, it's just a uh, it's a great practice. Um mm. I love what you're saying. I mean, I, I think what you, what you've described there for me is very much this idea around patterns. And, you know, I said this to you, I think offline, it's like, you know, if you think about what's happened to us as a society and humanity, we are squarely in a winter when it comes to major cycles around the world. And I'm not talking about Southern hemisphere, Northern hemisphere. I'm talking about in a society, humanity kind of way. And the last time we had a winter was World War II. And mm. then we had spring that came out with the, the IMF and the UN and all these sort of things with a new structure. And what I, I'm saying in my talks is like, if you know it's winter, what do you do? You dress warmly. That's just kind of like simple, simple logic, right? Mm. So if there's going to be constantly burning fires out there, what do you do? You learn the capacity to become fireproof, not, mm. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's a fire again. Yes, that's fine. And that's what it is. It's like, Getting up and, and saying, well, when are we harvesting when it's actually a time to toil the soil? Mm. And so I love what you're saying. It's just, a, it's a, it's, it's understanding the context of where you are so that, um, you perform better. And, mm. you know, it's almost like if you take it down to a very basic thing, like people are hiking, often a hike and I hear people complaining while they're hiking. I'm like, what are you complaining about? You came on the hike. What were you expecting it to be a downhill run? I mean, it's a hike. Stop complaining. <laughs> you chose to come in. That's, you know. 
So same thing. So I love it. I love the context that you're giving things. I want to read you a, a quick uh, excerpt from uh, the one, because actually when I wrote the resilience piece, it, uh, mm. it kind of gave birth to the capacity for chaos piece. Mm, and mm. I just want to read you like my favorite line from it. Um, let me just quickly find it here. I didn't have it prepared. Um, give me two seconds. Would you like me to sing and uh, entertain yeah, just, our just guests? Fill, just fill the while space. You... Just fill the space. Um. <clears throat> the very first time. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. I don't know the words. I'm looking up. When looking. I saw your um, brown eyes. Here we go. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Okay. Okay. So along the way, we get sold the idea that life is linear, a series of steps or progressions, that there is some order to how things should happen. We now know that this is a lie. Life is non-linear mm. at best. Resilience then starts feeling like an attempt to take the non-linearity of the world and to drag it back onto the template of linearity and predictability that we have been told to expect. What do you think about Dude. that? Jo, mic drop. <laughs> but look, it's, it's funny, you know, I think, I think you and I speak many times about similar things with different language. Mm. And so what you're talking about here is I speak about, um, respond, recover, reimagine how resilience must be both in responding and recovering and reimagining. And I think that most people are doing exactly what you spoke about there is about trying to bring some level of certainty and being resilient in that certainty, whereas actually that's the worst thing you could do. I think mm. we spoke about this in one of our podcasts, mm. actually. So I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, yeah. hey? I'm not sure if we've we done don't. a resilience podcast because we've, we've, we've been speaking about it in the context of YPO. Um, yes, in the yes, background. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's mm. right. So yes, I, I, I agree with you. You know, it's like, it's really important for us to reimagine and be resilient in the reimagining. And, and, you know, I think as South African citizens, we often called resilience. And I don't know if that's such a good thing. It's like, it's not, you know, why don't it's we have more? It's not. No, no. Because so I think resilience in this idea. Yeah. Carry on. No, no. Go for it. No, I think this idea that has been driven down our throat that, yes, push, push, and you'll make it, push. No, the thing is, create a container and flow. Mm. Like, why would you want to, like, push? Like, just, like, wait and create the environment. Look, there's a great saying that says, um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a guy who wrote a fantastic book about culture, and, and I'm sure you know it. He's a French guy. He says, when a plant is not growing well, you don't change the plant, you change the environment. Mm. And it's the same thing as that, you know, what we're doing is like, no, resilience is all focused on the wrong spot, you know? So well done. I like, I like that article. When, yeah. when is it going to come out? Um, the resilience one is out already. I just need to start sharing it. And then the, the rest okay. are all in draft. There's actually another one that I'm writing called the performance perception gap. Um, but we'll get into that another mm. day. Um, you know, the one thing <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's problematic about resilience, especially if you think about it in the context of, mm. of South Africa. In my in my opinion, here is that mm. Mm. one of the one of the preconditions that we often need to change is catastrophe. Like you need to be broken up with for you to start going to the gym. Mm. You need to hit rock bottom before you start managing your finances better mm. or getting yourself out there. Mm. And I think often like resilience mm. could keep you from that that like that pivotal moment where things kind of mm. break down and you're like, okay, now we need change. And I think we've been seeing it in many parts around the world. Catastrophe, right? But if we are resilient, mm. then we're always just kind of bouncing back, bouncing back, and it never reaches that, that inflection point 
where things are just bad enough that we can <sighs> actually change. I love that. You know, let me tell you, I, I, um, when I, when I went bankrupt, when I was 30, 30 years old, and I remember the slow motion of my bank account emptying out month by month while I was propping up one of my business. I had a few businesses, but one of them was eating me alive. And I was trying to prop it up. And every month I was resilient in keeping it in the old way, hoping it would change somehow. I don't know what I was mm. doing, but I was so stuck in, in survival mode. I couldn't see it. And my bank account every month just dropped and dropped. And after 18 months, I turned around and there was no money in there. And mm. I couldn't keep propping up this business. And I remember that it was, it was over load shedding time in South Africa, you know, when there was no electricity around for our international listeners. Listen, there's load shedding all around the world. You know that? All around the world is load shedding. We think it's a South African thing. There's mm, actually load shedding in many, many mm. parts of the world that we were surprised. Yeah, many places. Anyway, and um, so I remember the night where I really needed some cash flow to pay salaries. It was a Friday night and the restaurant was fully booked. And I remember arriving and everything was set up and we're ready to go and we're fully booked. And I really needed to pay salaries because I just had no more money left. So I, I was prioritizing salaries, not rent. And it was seven o'clock. And the bookings were starting to arrive and load shedding happened. Mm. And all of that night's trade was gone. So my last hope of resilience was gone in front of my eyes. I remember driving home and screaming, screaming on the top of my voice in my very fancy car that was about to get taken away from the bank. And um, I punched the windscreen. Thank goodness it didn't crack because I would have then owed even more money. But I punched the windscreen. I got home and I was, I was besides myself. I was crying. I was in a catastrophe. And I phoned my mom and I just said, I just can't do this anymore. I just don't even know which way I can turn. And she said, look, I think it's time for you to think about bankruptcy because, you know, every successful business, not every, but many successful businesses, men have that, you know, and I used to always poo poo people who declare bankruptcy. Richard Branson, mm. come on, man. Why did you have to declare bankruptcy? And that night I decided, and that night was the first night I slept well in eight months. And the next morning sure. I came and gave the keys to a sequestration lawyer. And you're right, you know, the catastrophe, my resilience in trying to keep the old going was a, I mean, I, I tell you, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep for months and months and months uh, mm. because I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know. Mm. So I love, I love what you're saying. And look, another one that happened to me was my divorce. When I got divorced, um, I was 40 years old and I realized that I'd been a boy my whole life. And again, that catastrophe of losing my future memories with this woman that I loved shattered my reality in such a way that it got me to pick up and start mm. writing and start diving into what I'm doing now. Mm. So yeah, catastrophe is such a great catalyst. Do you, do you have any cat uh, catastrophe stories? Yeah, I have breakup stories. Um, and I definitely have like, uh, like tough month stories, like, you know, from, uh, mm. when I pivoted from physio into coaching, um, mm. there were months where I had to load my credit card to get through it. Um, mm. like I haven't had the, not necessarily in finance, I have like the rock bottom moment, but I've been very mm. close to like maxed out credit cards and like, yeah, yeah. came, came from the edge. So, do you know, do you know what that's called? That's called the American dream. Yeah. The American dream is how can you max your credit cards out to live the American dream? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had that for sure. But, but yeah, you know, I, yeah. I think that's the, one of the big problems of the resiliency is that. Yeah. Like when, when do things change if you're always just going to bounce back? But yeah. I think, listen, I actually don't want to 
carry on with that because I think the the stories and the examples you gave um, are really impactful. And I think, you know, I'd like to leave the listeners on that note, to be honest. Well, look, I want to say one thing is that this level of resilience that's required in the world today is very much about reinvention. And what we have to do is become okay with the exhausted fatigue that comes from reinventing yourself. Mm. And don't think for a second it's not easy. I mean, it's not hard. It is incredibly hard. Now, Eric um, was on my first Future Preparedness Masterclass. And it was the first time I had to operate Zoom with a presentation and the mic. And, and I remember that day I couldn't hear anybody because somehow Zoom had done an upgrade. And I was running this masterclass. I'd never run anything like it before. I didn't even know where the breakout rooms were. And I felt depressed. I mean, you checked on me a few times later and I couldn't even respond to you. I was so embarrassed. But you know, that fatigue, that emotional strain that you take when you're not as good as you wish you were. And it was that, it's that great, like, uh, cliched Instagram post that says, when's the last time you did something for the first time? Mm. And it's exactly where we are right now. So when you are thinking resilience, it's not bad. Mm. Just resilience and reinvention. Mm. Resilience in trying new things and being okay with being crap at something, you know? Mm. It's, uh, especially for you and I, you don't want to be seen as crap. And also we do things live, right? So you're being interviewed or you're doing a talk. You can't be like, Oh, oopsie. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a, a bit of an oopsie there. Like, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> YPO New York's not like, Oh, no, don't worry. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're going to pay you top dollar. You can make mistakes. No, no. So. I think, I think uh, resilience is really about making a 100% commitment to reinvention. And mm. if you make a 98% commitment to reinvention, guess what? You haven't made any commitment at all, actually. So it's got to be mm. 100%. And, and I think you and I have, have been practicing this since lockdown. And um, the results speak for themselves because you're so rich now. Um, and you know, that's just what's happened. Thanks to your pivot <laughs> and thanks to your resilience and reinvention. Yeah, thank you. Keep saying it. Cool. Keep saying it. Um, yeah, keep saying it. <laughs> keep saying it. You're, you're rich. I'm rich. All our listeners are rich. All, all of you are rich. Because we, we affirm each other all the time. You know, I don't need to do my own affirmations. You do them for me. So. <laughs> it's amazing. So how are you feeling today, Eric? Let me phone John. Let, me, let, let him tell me how I'm feeling today. Okay, well, look, um, guys, if anybody wants to share this podcast with anybody, please go ahead and do it. We have such a great time doing it. We constantly, I mean, we often are surprised by how many people listen to this podcast. We are constantly reminded that people enjoy it. So thank you so, so much. It's just unbelievable to us, mm. you know. Um, so thank you so much. Please share this with somebody if you think they can uh, listen to it. Please make a uh, uh, a comment give us five uh, give us seven stars if you can good luck with doing that out of five uh, so eric anything from you yeah no thank you um i think it's it's always a pleasure to jump on this call with you and to have our weekly catch-up in the podcast form and to join uh, thousands of listeners around the world so thank you thank you Peace out.